Although I've seen some scripts, I know the words weren't spelled right. There was hardly any commas in it at all. So I don't think that's too important. Hey, you want to get on the train here, or you want to ruin another take, huh? It's too cerebral. We're trying to make a movie here, not a film. Man, I don't drop character till I've done a DVD commentary. You want to eat the writer? Be my guest. That will leave you to explain how else your character is supposed to get to Bremen. Welcome back to another episode of the In the Mouth of Dorkness Chatcast. I am your host, Brad Gullickson, the Mouth Dork, and joining me today is Lisa Gullickson, Wife Dork. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Brad. How are you? I'm super stoked because you have just stumbled into the very first session of the It Mod Chat Club. How fun. What is the It Mod Chat Club? What a fabulous question, Lisa. Let me tell you. Uh, Andy Geyerson, who is the programmer of the Alamo Drafthouse in Winchester, Virginia, suggested this series based on the Lost Weekend debriefs that we've done. You may recall a few months back, uh, Billy Dash, the indie dork, he uh, hosted this epic four-hour conversation at the Alamo Drafthouse where they debriefed, they downloaded all all their love and passion for all the films that they saw at Lost Weekend, and it's like 40-plus films, so it filled four hours pretty quickly. Um, We wanted to continue that idea where we invite the audience members to participate in the podcast, in effect become co-hosts of In the Mouth of Darkness, and offer their opinions, their thoughts on the films that they saw at Lost Weekend. And we want to keep that going because we are the official podcast of the Alamo Drafthouse in Winchester, Virginia. We want to offer that opportunity to the film club members, to the Still Awesome members, to the Psycho Cinema members, to have their say about the films that they watched that month. So in January, we selected uh, four films, well, technically seven films to discuss. And we asked audience guys, meet us on this day and we will talk about them. And for session one, I got to give a shout out to both Sam and MK for joining Andy and I in this conversation. But I'm expecting a lot more in the future. And that's me begging Film Club, Still Awesome Tears, and Psycho Cinema Freaks to come onto this podcast. We want you. Join us up in the projection booth. Lisa, come join us in the projection booth. I would love to, but it does happen on a weeknight, and I do work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. It's it, We're going to keep it to Monday nights. Um, and the next one will be on February 9th, and we'll be discussing all the films that were part of the Denzel Washington marathon uh, that's been going through all of February. Uh, But for this episode, for session one, we're talking Pain and Glory, the Pedro Maldivar film that Lisa and I just watched and loved. We did. Uh, We're talking Best Picture winner Parasite. Yeah. We're talking the entire Ip Man franchise. And we are talking... Amelie, the still awesome selection that Itmod hosted. What a wonderful variety of films. Yeah, yeah. And we kept it to about an hour of conversation really hard, especially when Andy and Brad start disagreeing about Parasite. Oh, no. Lisa, you're going to want to listen to this conversation and get frustrated. Uh-oh. I will still love Andy no matter how wrong he is. <laughs> well, like, it's this is, you know... The projection booth is a place where we come to converse. The point is to have a dialogue. No judgment zone. No judgment. It's a safe space. 
so yeah, I think I think we've set it up uh, all that we need to. Let's jump right into this conversation. It was a fun chat. Meet you back on the other side and tell you what else we've got going on this week at ItMod. <laughs> And here we are. We're back at the projection booth at the Alamo Drafthouse in Winchester, Virginia. My favorite projection booth. My favorite uh, movie theater. My favorite state. Uh, my favorite people. Whoa! Uh, yay! 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 This... Although I'm a little grumpy, we came in last. What, favorite, favorite people. people low end. Oh, of the you know. List. Well, it goes podcasts, oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, projection booths, theaters, humans. Oh, That's oh, how it goes, right, Andy. Um, well, that's a great introduction because this is session one of the Itamod Chat Club uh, in collaboration with the Alamo Draft House in Winchester, Virginia. And for session one, we've convinced uh, three people. I'm going to say two people because Andy was required to be here. <laughs> I was required to be here. Uh, but thankfully, we've also been joined uh, by MK and Sam. Thank you so much for joining us. Bravo. We appreciate it. For the inaugural, you'll always remember your first time doing uh, the chat club I, for session one. For sure, for sure. Because this is only going to grow. For those that have um, listened to the podcast faithfully, you are familiar with the Lost Weekend debriefs. They are usually epic four-hour, five-hour, six-hour conversations where we run down every single film that we saw at Lost Weekend. Uh, we love those, but we wanted to change up the format a little bit to focus on key films that have screened in the past month here at the Alamo Draft House in Winchester, Virginia. The films we have chosen are uh, Parasite, Best Picture winner Parasite, uh, Pain and Glory from Pedro Almodovar, Amelie, which was a still awesome screening, and the entire Ip Man franchise. So we're trying to cram all of those wonderful films into a 40-minute conversation. Good luck to us. But before we do that, I do want to talk to MK and Sam. Um, why are you guys here? <laughs> you first, MK. I don't know. I live here. <laughs> you live here. <laughs> Well, it's okay. A true statement. Up and here, it's true. Up here earlier and, and you've been on past debriefs, yes. right. past it mod episodes. I can't avoid podcasts. Um, I really appreciate you coming along to join us in this conversation. You said earlier that you're really excited about one film in particular to talk about. Yes. But you don't want to spoil that yet? Oh, do, do we want to say it up top? I or? Mean, it's up to you. It's your favorite film. Uh, it's Pain and Glory. Pain and Glory. Pain right. and Glory. And because you said that, we're going to save that to last. Yes, good. So that you can't run away from us. Uh, we would never Sa run away from you. Sam, uh, why have you joined us for the first session of Chat Because Club? I love movies. In fact, when I was in college, I wrote movie reviews. I, it was great having all these free movie tickets. Yeah. Uh, even when I was a kid, I spent my paper route money to buy tickets to the local cinema, which was only two blocks from me. So, just a movie geek. Well, what we're doing here. That's what we want. We want movie this is dorks. The place for those. Oh, okay. That's right. Dork. That's right. I go dork yeah. because I have no actual profitable skill. Uh, <laughs> I feel like geeks can take their geekdom and turn it into profit, and I haven't been able to do that yet. I feel like you have, though, Brad. That's a little uh, that's bit. A, a little so as we encroach to how many people on the chat cast you've talked to? Oh, uh, well, this is this will be episode fifty. Four. So and 50 was Molten, is that right? Yeah, 50 was Molten and I Jesse. I think you're doing great, by the yeah, way. We're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. Andy, why are you here? Why did you want to start this thing? Let me tell you how many people are on my chat cast currently. Yeah, yeah. Four. 
which mm-hmm. is pretty amazing right mm-hmm. there. Uh, I'm here because uh, I have that rally cry that I've mentioned several times uh, during our screenings of the discussion afterwards. And as film club grows, oftentimes the discussion's a little bit trickier because of length of film, people trying to escape out because of work the next day, uh, or uh, just uh, life getting in the way and that sort of thing as well. So uh, I wanted to sort of uh, start these with our official podcast of the Alamo Draft House with ItMod uh, to just re-spark that conversation. And we're going Facebook Live here as well. That's another wave. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and what that will do is that while you guys are watching over here, you can also incur, you know, participate in the conversation. There's an online conversation. There's our conversation. And so uh, we're hopefully going to be able to do this monthly is our yes. dream. Yes. Uh, and to be able to bring a, a bigger discussion. And anyone can join. So any of you guys here for next month as we discuss, which I believe will be Denzel Washington for the Heck month. Heck yeah. Um, so Oh, you all can come and join us. You can meet us here. We have a very long table that can we fit do. many people. We do. And we've had many people do the debriefs in the past, and we want to make sure that all of you are invited to join in on the conversation. You all become co-hosts of In the Mouth of Darkness. That's right. And I wanted people to just sort of know each other. Yes. Know who people are outside of the screenings uh, to engage in that sort of thing, and so we can hear different voices about the films that we're watching. Right. And that's one of the great things about Lost Weekend is the community that forms around it. And, you know, in the the brief windows of time that we have to go from film to film that we chat and discuss and download and debrief. There's some food coming in. Brought to us by Beth and uh, Amir, who's been seen in a lot of movies, by the way. Yeah, a lot of movies. Big in Japan. Big in Japan. Huge in Japan, right? Huge in Japan. Um, All right. But, Andy, you wanted to, like... To set up uh, uh, Sam and MK and yourself, uh, you wanted to talk about like a, a, each one name, like a, an individual film that they've seen recently outside of the ones that we're going to talk about that they're very passionate about? I kind of wanted to get an idea of who these people were around the table outside of the movies we just watched. And oftentimes mm-hmm. I think that's, if, you, if we sit around and we all talk about who we are, that's, a, that's an hour and 50 minute podcast right there. Right. But keeping it short, <laughs> we just sort of were thinking like, what is a movie over the past month, in the month of January, that inspired you? So outside of the homework. Could be, yeah, anything yeah. you watched with Film Club, anything you watched personally, anything that you saw, just a movie that just sort of like really made you go, wow, this is why I love the mm. movies and that mm. sort of thing. And we're not looking for a big dissertation, just a brief like, hunt this one down, and if anyone here is uh, listening to us on Facebook Live, uh, throw in your conversation pieces as well, and that sort of thing as well. But, uh, but Brad, you were at Sundance. Yes. Uh, maybe we'll start with you. Oh, okay. What was a movie that, ins- and it doesn't have to be from Sundance, but well, what was a, a movie this I mean, month Most of the movies I've inspired. seen this month were at Sundance. I saw 31 films uh, in, in that 13-day window. Um, my favorite film of the entire uh, festival was a movie that A24 has picked up, uh, stars Steven Yeun. It's called Minari, mm. M-I-N-A-R-I. Uh, and it, when you read about it, you go, okay, this is going to be like a slice-of-life film. It's, you know, it's not really my bag, but everyone's saying how great it is, so I'll go check it out. It's a movie that sort of snuck up on me that... I was enjoying it, I was enjoying it, suddenly I was totally invested in these characters, and then by the end I was a weepy mess because of how much I loved everybody Mm. involved in Mm. the film. 
the basic plot is Stephen Yoon plays uh, a factory worker. He works in, in California. He sex chickens, which is, you know, you, you dip a chicken and you look it up and you go, like, is this a male or a female? And you separate the males from the females. And that's what he did. Uh, but he's garnered up enough cash and his dream is to have his own farm and he moves his entire family from California to Arkansas. It's in, you know, uh, Reagan's America, 1980s America. And his wife is very concerned about going uh, to Arkansas to create this farm because their son has a heart defect uh, and it's an, an hour away from the hospital is this a smart thing to do with his son who needs some extra care? Oh. And uh, they're concerned about that. But he has the dream. He wants to open up this farm, and he wants to farm Korean vegetables because many Koreans are coming to America to, to chase the American dream, and he wants to provide them with all the vegetables that they loved in their country. And the, it's it starts off as this little tension between husband and wife, and it's all it's primarily seen through the eyes of the two children, the the young son David and the daughter, and the, the you know the mom convinces the dad we have to bring grandma from South Korea to Arkansas so that she can look after the children, and then grandma's inserted into the story, and the kids don't know how to deal with this grandma because they're raised in America. Grandma's baked cookies. They're sweet old ladies. Uh, they don't swear. They don't gamble. Uh, and who is this person here? And it sounds like a Coreda film a little bit, right there. Uh, a little, yeah, it's it, got that sort of like, a little bit, like as, Columbus, as a, a little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah, yeah a, a little bit of it. Um, but like I said, it was a film that I was enjoying, and then suddenly, without me even knowing it, I was desperately in love with everything about it. It is mm -hmm. also visually beautiful. Um, I don't want to get too much in, in, in more depth because the movie's not even out yet. But it's a film that I normally would not gravitate towards on paper, but because cinema is cinema, and it's this wonderful empathy machine, as Roger Ebert would call it, mm. you know, you're, you're living that family's life, and suddenly you're really caring, and making you want this family to work, and you want this farm to work, and you want them to come out uh, on top. So, Minari is my favorite film that I've seen in January. I love that. that I love that. sold me on that one. Yeah. yeah. I, I, so, every person I talked to at Sundance, and I talked to a lot of people, every person who saw Minari liked Minari or loved it. Wow. I didn't hear one dissenting opinion on it. So, Minari, A24, Minari. it's coming. When? We don't know yet. Don't know yet. Sam. Okay, I saw 71 in my effort to catch up with oh, all of the films the the club has screened that I was not here for. Oh. I was interested in it to begin with because... Oh, 71, uh, the film. Got it. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Part of my family comes from Northern Ireland, though yeah. it was a little bit back in the day in the 1800s. And I'd always wondered what the troubles were. I'd never... I'd heard the phrase. I'd never really investigated it. After seeing this movie, I could see that the troubles were very apparent, although it was hard for me to track who was with who and what faction during the film. Mm. Uh, by the end of the film, like you said, I was in, I was in tears for two different reasons, the injustice mm. and the, uh, a key scene where there was an explosion that left some casualties with someone you knew. You're right. 
Jack O'Connell's in that. He's great in that oh, movie. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. 71's and a good movie. That's a great film. The set was awesome, too. I mean, it was just like it. So. Yeah. A production design. Give that movie a production design award, for sure. Uh, MK? Um, just this past weekend, actually, I was just... I was not feeling amazing, so I spent most of the weekend on my couch and <laughs> flipping through all the movie channels. Been there. So I caught up on three really big movies from last year that I just missed because life is unfair. <laughs> uh, and that was, uh, on the basis of sex, mm. The Favorite and Black Klansmen. All the thir- That's all a three big of which, three right there. Incidentally, all three of which are like based on true stories, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was a weird coincidence. Um Obviously, the favorite is my favorite of those because monstrous lesbians. <laughs> so good. It's so good. Uh, that performance from Olivia Coleman, which got her the award, the Oscar, is amazing. And her final scene is just a delight. All right, Andy. I have a lot of things going on in the Andy Garrison world right now. I don't want to hear excuses. I'm deep into (laughs) Lost Weekend territory, which um, I'm really excited to be able to announce our lineup next week. Uh, It's going to be some surprises. It's a lot of discovery this time, which I'm excited for. Maybe titles you don't know of, but you will when you leave, and I think that's going to be a really exciting part. Movies that inspired me this month. I'm re-watching the Mission Impossible series right now. Uh, disappointingly just finished Mission Impossible 2, which was uh, a letdown uh, a little bit. Uh, but Mission, Mission Impossible 2 is garbage, Andy. Mission Impossible 1, De Palma's Mission Impossible, hey, is quite interesting. That's great. I that's put those not lights the mo- on because everyone yeah. was asking. We're going to change it up, actually, in a minute. Uh, but the other thing, I'm not going to talk about Mission Impossible in my brief time that I'm here. The movie <laughs> that I actually cried at, which is uh, sort of the new standard for what movies Andy enjoys was our uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day uh, screening of Amazing Grace. Uh, that was a doc that I missed last year for some unknown reason, uh, and we were amazingly able to bring it uh, for Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, we had a packed house for the screening. Uh, and I, it's, a, it's a weird doc because uh, Aretha doesn't look like she wants to be there, like she's having some conflicts with a lot of the people there. You think it's... Uh, concert footage about Aretha, but it's actually, like, um, uh, more about her, the preacher that's there with her, like, he steals most of the moments from it. It's directed by... Oh, I don't remember. He's an actor, uh, turned director, but... uh, Danny DeVito. No, that's an incredible... (laughs) That was a nice guess, though. Uh, Horribly directed. Oh, really? Like, the the footage that he captured... I'm going to look this up while I'm talking. But the footage that he captured of this event is some of the worst footage I've ever seen. Really? Uh, have you seen this? Doc? No, I haven't seen it yet. So and the, the, the audio and the video were completely like right. misaligned, so it took years. He forgot to do to the clapper, and so they couldn't align the footage. That's what? why it took forever for it to come out. Sidney uh, Pollack. Horribly put this movie Sydney together. Sidney Pollack? Yes. And so there's weird zooms. Half the time you're under a table. I don't know what's going on. And then, like... There's a portion of it where he's like uh, focused in on um, uh, uh, Rolling Stones uh, guy. Mick Jagger's there. And it's, it's like, what, uh, we're not even here for that in any way, shape, or form. But with all of that being said, 
the moment Aretha Franklin sings Amazing Grace, cried my eyes out. Like, that was just so inspiring. The soul of that woman combined with what's happening in our world today and what she's talking about then and where she is in the church. Oh, my gosh. It, huh. was, it was so moving and so inspirational, specifically on a brick screen. Would it have worked on a small screen? I don't know. But we had members of our NAACP there, and, and there were women there who were like, this reminds me of when I was growing up to be you know, like in a certain church setting that I was uh, familiar with and that sort of thing. It was just really inspiring, and that was the doc that I would, that really surprised me mm. for the month. We're going to be getting a lot of Aretha Franklin in the coming months because we've got the Jennifer Hudson film that's on the horizon, mm-hmm. musical, and then we have the uh, Cynthia Erivo uh, miniseries. That's right. Yeah. Oh, there we go. There we go. That's the fancy lighting. That's perfect. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, Amazing Grace. I'd recommend hunting it out. Just made I it to the library. Second his opinion. I learned a lot about Aretha Franklin I didn't know. And you could see people out, the people out in the audience, I wondered who knew her and who didn't. Yeah. Because it's, it's like they were fighting for her attention in some way. Huh. I actually think it would work really well on a small screen because... While it was not a well-put-together documentary, I... Or, like, the documentary itself was well-put-together. The original footage was Mm kind of weird. I kind of liked some of the weird choices because it had this, like, home movies Mm. feeling. Oh, I see. Like, somebody, like, you know, like your cousin whipped out his, like, Super 8 or something. Huh, huh. Yeah, that may be the case. But you had Sidney Pollack behind the screen. Oh, absolutely. It wasn't working. So weird. It's like, and then the fact that he didn't do the clapper so they couldn't sync everything together. I'm disappointed I didn't know the Pollock connection. That's very strange. Uh, Okay. Uh, Huh. All right. So... that's who we're talking to. Did you see that at Sundance last year? Amazing Grace? No, I, ne- no. I missed it. No, I still haven't seen Amazing Grace. I need, I need to check it out. Uh, but now it's time to get into the nitty-gritty of our homework, of why we have all gathered for Chat Club. Uh, and like I said, I wanted to kick off with Parasite, since it just took home four Academy Awards last night in a very historic evening. I love Bong Joon-ho so, so much. This was my favorite film of last year. No Mm. pressure to you guys if you hated it, Um, but I'll be sad. Uh, So, Parasite. Um, Let's see. How should we... We don't need to do, like, a plot synopsis, do we? I think everyone's seen... And and this is a title I don't know if we need as plot synopsis. Right, right. Um, But I don't necessarily want to spoil the ending either for those that have not come to the film yet. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Oh, and MK has not seen it yet. So I I don't want to ruin the experience for MK because I think it is an astonishing first watch. And if you are... Not to say that it wouldn't work on second watches and third watches because I can tell you that it most certainly does, but I wouldn't want to rob anybody of that uh, revelation. So how do we talk about this movie, Brad Gullickson? Well, I mean, what... So I think we can talk about it through... Filmmaking, we can talk about it through performance. We can talk about it comparing it to other South Korean films. Um, we can talk about it through the voice of Bong Joon Ho. Um, uh, I know, like all of this. As somebody who was familiar with all of, well, not all of his works, but I was familiar with Bong Joon Ho through The Host, mm-hmm. Snowpiercer, Okja, and I think that's really it because I still haven't seen Mother, I still I've haven't seen before. Memoirs of a Murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really need to go back and watch those but like I liked the host a lot I know a lot of people loved it I, I liked Snowpiercer okay 
and I thought Okja was pretty interesting. But Parasite, it felt like um, somebody had just kicked the door down and stormed into the theater and said, this is a movie. Uh, and... I was floored by the experience of watching Parasite the first time. I think Sam was as is that you just recently watched it, right? Over the weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what was your response to it? I just sat there, you know, all the way through the credits, wondering what had I just watched? How could something start off this way and become this mm-hmm. to keep it spoiler free? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I started taking notes because I was all excited about coming here tonight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what? So okay, you ha- you so you had to process the experience. Like, mm-hmm. did you know immediately that you enjoyed it, or that you had to sit with it for a while, sit with it over the weekend? I I had to sit with it. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it because of the production values, and I like twists. And the acting was awesome. Uh, you know, the scenes in the trailer, I think they were all in the movie. Yeah. Which is a rarity these yeah, days. Fact. <laughs> and so I, I just had to ponder and think about it. And I gave it a ranking one to seven because the seven we're going through tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh, that ranking was a three. A three. Okay. All right. Interesting. It was third on the list yeah. of seven films. All right. Okay. I can't wait to talk about one and two then. Andy, your initial response to Parasite when you saw it? Oh, God. He's, <laughs> Andy hates me. Andy <laughs> has to come in. Anytime I'm in love with a movie, That's Andy's like, favorite. it's not the f- my favorite no, film no, 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 of no. the year. First of all, I've, I, Jen and I had this conversation this morning. I think I'm becoming more cynical. As I get older, don't we don't need cynicism, Andy. I had some major uh, complications with the Oscars last night, uh, in some forms, which we'll take offline and talk about this a little bit. <laughs> I love Bong Joon Ho. Mm-hmm. I was there for the host and loved every moment of that. I was there for Mother and loved every moment of that. Uh, Snowpiercer started to crumble for me, mm-hmm. uh, and then Okja uh, was a disaster. Mm-hmm. An utter disaster. This film, uh, in terms of visuals, was brilliant. I loved the way this film looked, and I loved the the characters of this story to a certain degree. My struggle with this film was the storytelling of mm-hmm. it. The first act, uh, almost into the second, and then we sort of lost it at that point. Uh, I, the storytelling is where I struggled through this film. Because I think I've seen so many Bong Joon-ho films, this, I thought, and I don't know how we're going to talk about this without spoiling it. It's it's, 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 it's going to be very difficult. (laughs) Never quite went to the next level for the ending for me. Uh, I I was anticipating... Bonkers insanity. You don't and think the a, ending is bonkers insanity? It's actually quite controlled, I uh-huh. thought. I thought within the chaos of it all, it was a quite controlled ending. And then where it should have ended, and then where it did end, there uh, was a disconnect. I, th- I think I know what you're talking about. I totally disagree with you. Mm-hmm. I love the ending, especially how that sort of 
well, I don't even want to say the emotion that it leaves you in, but the emotional place that that leaves me in as a viewer, I thought was very satisfying and aligned with the message of the film. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought the storytelling of it was exceptional. I thought the craft of it was um, amazing. The craft was gorgeous. I absolutely did. Yeah, but uh, but even like, I'm talking like the craft of the narrative. Oh, see, I struggled through the narrative. And one of the parts that I struggled with the narrative is that, and, and Sam, you can jump into this at any time, is that there's a part in this film where we start all of the stories that are sort of weaved at the first act start falling off. And we're left with two major narratives, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, which is the older generation narratives. And when something horrible or something occurs to the younger generation, I had no emotional investment in that. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, I, again, I totally disagree with you. I, I, I had almost forgotten they existed within mm-hmm. the realm of the film mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we had moved away from them so far mm-hmm. that I could not, I wasn't connecting with it, with it happening. And uh, especially since the ending of the film really does tie back into mm-hmm. the younger generational uh, uh, characters. Mm-hmm. It yeah. felt more like an afterthought than a genuine storyline. Huh. Well... We're going to have to have a separate, spoiler-filled uh, Andy V. Bradcast. Uh, well, I want to jump in. Yeah, please do. Point, yeah, jump in. Just, I agree with Andy's point of view. To me, I even found the ending unlikely. Uh-huh. Unlikely. And I'm like, that's one of the things that kept me on the couch scratching my head. Is like, how did we get to this point? Well, that's just, when the turn happens, it is a... It is no, a much I mean bigger. The, the very, very end, right before the credits roll. Yeah, but does that ending happen? Right. Okay. Now you're messing with my mind. <laughs> that was the concrete ending to me. Yeah. It, it was not anyone's fantasy or the director going off in some. Uh, I think it is a question that is proposed that okay. doesn't actually happen, uh, and I will will leave it at that. Because, again, I don't want to spoil it on this episode. I think there was so much potential within Uh Parasite. Um, But in the end, we just sort of got a rehash of Snowpiercer. No, no, In another form. We have uh, those from the back of the train trying to move themselves to the front of the train. But it's totally different in the sense that it is talking about the system that I don't think it villainizes the Park family or the Kim family. No. Yeah, in the way that there is a there's a vilification in Snowpiercer. One could argue that the true villain of this film is the third family that got no story arc to it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, I... So that is the third family, you know... We now We're not spoiling anything, there's everyone. A third family. There's families in there's this families. movie. But I, I, I think that third family is a bigger leap and you either go with it or you don't. I certainly do go with it. And to me, it nails down, again, the messaging of the film. I am proud of its win. I am proud of where it's taken subtitled films to. Mm-hmm. I wish we would have a Bong Joon-ho film <laughs> that was a little bit, like there was an elevation to each one of the movies that he went to. Visually, I, I think he went there. 
Story-wise, I'm not I, sure if that was there. I mean, you know, I guess it's to each his own, and it, it's not my place here to convince anybody that this is. I'm not here to be my, convinced. My favorite I'm just film. I know. I know. You, uh, kind of um, my, my philosophies right, as right, I watched it. Right. 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 Can I use this time? To sure. Transition to Emily. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Because we'll I, talk all night compare, about Parasite. I compare and contrast the two. Mm-hmm. I think they both have manipulative characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this, I wrote this down because I don't speak well sometimes, especially comparing movies. Both Emily and Parasite charmed, amused as their stories flow along. While Emily's story gets into a little deep water, Class 1 Rapids, there's not really that much conflict. Mm-hmm. There, there's tense and stressness, but also relieving of stress. Anyway, Parasite's story flows into deeper, faster water until you suddenly realize you're headed toward a 300-foot waterfall. <laughs> the view's spectacular until you are airborne and smacked into the water below. That's the difference in the two. Uh, it's just a gut punch from Parasite and a smile and a warm, fuzzy feeling from Emily. Yeah, a hug yeah. from Amelie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's really well written. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that, Sam. Uh, what I love about Amelie is that people left that screening saying, I don't think I've smiled for that long of a period. Sure. And when can you have? when was the last time you said that in a movie? I mean, I don't know. If Avengers Endgame, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Avengers Endgame, look, Andy. Look, I think you're truly just making that I, up. I think, no, no, uh, but I, I think I'm trolling Andy is what I'm doing because I'm <laughs> mad about his parasite opinion. I actually had a connection between these two movies, too, um, because uh, Bong Joon-ho was the one that was talking about like getting past that one-inch right, right. barrier of, <clears throat> of subtitles. And Amelie was the first foreign language film that I, like, chose to watch that I wasn't, like, forced to watch in school or something. And someone just said, hey, this is a good movie. Watch it. And I was like, I don't know. It's French. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that started this whole, like, it opened this whole world of other movies. And, like, and now (laughs) in film club, I feel like we watch more foreign films than English language films. Maybe. I don't actually count do. them. <laughs> I mean, I think we watch a lot of foreign you language do. films. Yeah. I think but, there's no question about that. But uh, your your conversation about Parasite uh, just makes me more excited to watch it. Yeah. I do know my tastes tend to align with Brad's a little bit more than Andy's. <laughs> High five, MK. Most do. Most do. <laughs> I, I, I have very few people wearing Andy. I, I support Andy shirts out there. Uh, there's a lot of Brad Gullickson fans out there in the world. Yeah, uh, Lori in the chat said she's Team Brad on this one. <laughs> Lori, that doesn't surprise me in any way, shape, or form. Does not surprise me. But uh, what was interesting about Amelie is that uh, that is a movie that I, I, Jen and I left. We had, like, this great memory of Amelie growing Mm up. Mm -hmm. Like, we fell in love with it. It's this beautiful French film. We loved the quirkiness. We loved it all. And we weirdly left saying, I'm not sure how well that movie's aged. Like, I still loved Amelie. Mm. But it was a it was a sort of a interesting watch for us for the I, second. I time. was worried the same way. Like, in fact, Lisa and I had a conversation going into it because Brian, it was his selection for right, Still right, Awesome, right. and it's one of Brian's all time favorite movies. And 
I saw it in the theater when it came out, mm-hmm. and that was the last time I saw it. Uh, I know. I picked up the DVD, and I watched it once, and that was the last time I saw it. <laughs> uh, and I was worried in revisiting it and selecting it as still awesome, as I'm, I'm always a little nervous when we select a still awesome screening that I haven't seen in a while. Like, is it really still awesome, or my, just my nostalgia? <laughs> but I came away going, that movie still has mm-hmm. uh, an effective emotional impact, and... It actually sparked Lisa and I to start writing a short story oh. that is not um, similar to the narrative that's going on, but in that idea of that, that God's eye view that uh, Junet has mm-hmm. in the movie, that like inspired us to tell a God's eye view story of multiple characters. That's great. And I, like, I came away very fulfilled and impressed by how much it, it still left me feeling uh, no. warm like a hug, like a smile, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and like rooting for humanity yeah. in a way that I think is also very crucial. As much as I love Parasite coming in and talking about the evils of capitalism <laughs> and what's wrong uh, with our systems uh, and structures uh, in this world right now, I also think it's important to have like the Be Kind, the Fred Rogers, the Amelie kind of embrace. You know, I've, I've purchased Amelie. I'd have to say a dozen times. It seems like the movie that I always like give to someone mm. to experience, and then I just find myself finding that two-disc green box DVD set out there that I repurchase at Goodwills and that sort of thing. It feels like a movie I should never not have close by at any mm. specific time. Audrey yes. Tatel gives a performance of her career. Uh, I mean, she redefined it. I can't watch Travelocity ads right now without thinking of Amelie <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. No, I mean, she defined what that gnome traveling is truly all about. Uh, I think my watch was directly after Parasite, and I was coming back like, oh, and then we sat through that one and that sort of thing. Oh, that's right. That was a double feature. It was Parasite Amelie. It was. It was. Subtitles galore. Uh, Our our version that we watched on screen looked good. I mean, it looked great. The subtitles worked perfectly. Um, And so, I don't know. I, I, I... I will go on record by saying I am still a big Amelie fan, and I loved our audience's reactions and intake of this film, but I don't think there was one person... Well, there were a few people I'd never seen it before, but you were full of Amelie fans. Yeah. That I mean, that is... It's worth noting that it is, without a doubt, the largest uh, screening of Still Awesome that we've had here at the Alamo Draft House. Uh, you know, pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. All right. So from Amelie to the Ip Man franchise, mm. I'm going to need you guys to school me a little bit because I've seen the first movie, but it was a long time ago, and I didn't have an opportunity to watch all four of them uh, going into this chat club. So Ip Man, Donnie Yen. Everyone loves Snowman from Blade 2. That's where he's most famous. <laughs> he was in a Star War as well. He was in a Star War. He was in a Star War. So where should we start with the Ip Man franchise? Had anyone seen it before all, all I this month? I have seen the first no. one. <laughs> no, I, I, I came in, I was really pleased with the first movie. And it's number two on my list, Amelie being number one. The way oh. I determined these orders, I can't get which film would I recommend to my friends first? Mm. Amelie, Ip Man, the first movie, mm. and Parasite. Mm. So it, it Man was, was great. It brought out the spiritual side of martial arts mm-hmm. that uh, 
I had a, a personal collection, connection with in the when I was in the military mm. through my supervisor. Um, so I was seeing Donnie Yen in that light, you know, the spiritual humble side who could kick your ass if you were out of line. And then it sort of fell into the Rocky formula, except you know, people get too. hurt and uh-huh. he avenges their casualty. Right. So that's that's what I really liked about it, the lush settings that I hadn't seen before. Like his when it starts off his house and then the fight in there where they wreck everything. I just really enjoyed that. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that go on between Parasite, Amelie, and the Ip Man films. You know, this... These are all films about community and the communities that surround the core of the characters. You know, in Amelie, it's Audrey Tatao's character and then the, the bar that she hangs out in and the town of Paris that she lives in and that sort of thing as well. For Parasite, it was the, the two, without a spoiler, maybe three families, but the circle of that house uh, that they were all well contained in and that sort of thing. For Ipman, it continues with that idea of what family represents. And what I love about this first film was that it was an action film, but the action felt second nature to me. Um, it was a historical film like uh, that surprised me to no end. Uh, it was it had this weird like green sapia tone color to it yeah. uh, that made it feel like uh, ancient but fresh and had that sort of moment to it there. Um, and then Donnie Yen, man, I I had maybe seen him in the the Star Wars movie and Blade uh, Two, and, and it's been a long time since I've seen Blade Two, but yes, probably in that as Still well. Still awesome, guys. Um, but I I was utterly impressed. There was this this feeling of like he was able to contain himself. Uh, there was never a moment where he was like rage out Donnie Yen. Mm-hmm. It was like all within. And he knew what it was that he needed to do to take himself, to be that person that, like, we always are looking for in sort of action, uh, heroic films. I will argue, though, that as we progressively went down the line, we sort of, we didn't lose that, but we sort of changed that dynamic a little bit. Uh, Ipman uh, 2 goes into that rocky sort of feel, and I... I, I couldn't tell if they were actually defining their own trail for Ipmon or if it was just something that fit within the mold of what was going on. Ipmon 3, uh, we had a, uh, uh, I, I thought that was actually my second favorite of them all. And then the newest Ipmon was a very strange film for me to watch. Mm. Uh, only because, like, uh, uh, Scott Atkins... Uh, who I think is a pretty decent martial arts sort of guy. Friend of the podcast. Uh, Scott, I'm a, I'm a fan of yours, but he was doing an American accent. Yeah, there yeah, was some yeah. sort of like like uh, racism that we were also trying to beat, and I, I, I don't know. I didn't necessarily uh-huh. like that whole... It felt like it was trying to maintain its modern stance with the Ipmon, but it didn't need to. I mean, we, we don't need Mom to be in a modern sort of world. But what I did love is that if you watch them like we did, the progression of technology was amazing because we went from uh, a, a crumbled, devastated living environment where he's you know living off the side to uh, living with his wife, all the way to finally having uh, you know uh, 
radio and there's a plane going by in the last one and you, you just sort of find yourself saying like we, we have traveled with this man throughout this historical journey that he's been on mm. um, and I, I I absolutely adored the franchise as a whole despite my ups and downs within the, the different series yeah. well, I agree with your assessment of the fourth film I felt like they were trying to cram too many socially relevant issues into the film like bullying, immigration, right. etc., and the, the real story got lost. Mm-hmm. Well, the real, to me, the real essence of this, which is the title character, Ipmon, you know, that's who I wanted to follow. And, um, you know, uh, uh, for everything else I kind of enjoyed, uh, uh, like, I, I'll go back. There was a confusing part about number three with Mike Tyson. I wanted there. to talk about Mike yeah. Tyson, because that's why I'm excited <laughs> about part three. Talk about Mike Tyson. Uh, the man had no, he really did nothing in the film except throw punches at the end. Um, and so it was, it's, it was weird because, like, uh, I didn't really understand what they were all doing and why he was even involved in this whole thing. But, it, but at least it looked like I, I picked that one as my second favorite because at least, like, there was something about it that him protecting the school, doing those sort of things, it brought that sense of community back and with his family. Uh, uh, spoiler alert! There's a there's a sad moment that happens in three that makes me cry, and so any movie these days that makes me cry somehow has. Brad, you'll learn about this as you get older. Uh, I cry in every every movie. movie I cry. I, now yeah. I uh, cannot watch a certain Google ad on TV right I, now. I know the Google ad. In fact, <laughs> we, Jen has to mute it because I'm like I look at her and I just start crying <laughs> with that poor Loretta ad. Uh, it's, it's yeah, yeah, it's horrible for sure. MK, did you did you check out the the Ed Man I films? have seen the first. one. Okay, all right, 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 right. Like right. a long time ago. So this is what I liked about the first movie was that it, it felt like it was trying to do what Bruce Lee was trying to do in his latter-day films with Enter the Dragon and what could have been with Game of Death, mm-hmm. where he was using the genre of action to also relay his philosophy. And, you know, Ip Man was Bruce Lee's teacher at one point in his life. And when they wanted to make Ip Man, they kind of wanted to continue that spirit of, yeah, we're making an action film, but we're also going to talk about life and, and and the beauty and the horror of it. I I really like uh, double duty films like that, mm. where it's like we're gonna we're gonna hide some like deep stuff in this dumb action movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so, having just come back from Sundance again, humble brag, uh, <laughs> I saw the Bruce Lee documentary that ESPN Films is oh, yeah, doing, yeah, yeah. Be Water, and as a diehard Bruce Lee fan it just made me fall in love with him all over again and it did make me want to go like I should I should seek out the It Man franchise and finish watching it and of course I wanted to watch it before we had this conversation but then life are they still on Netflix? Well, I don't I don't I, 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 I don't saw know. them on there at some point uh, Darren's mad at me because I have the first three all from Darren's collection and I should probably you watch You should probably those. watch them. Yeah. Well, I, I took exception with Andy on two and three's order. I mm. I like two better uh, because of the Sammy and Donnie table dance. Mm. Mm. That yeah. was amazing. Yeah. I would agree with you. I mean, that was a beautiful scene. Um, there was something just about three that made me return back to what it was about one that I loved so much, which was Ipman's... Um, focus and dedication to his family and there was there's a moment at the end of Ipmon 3 where he is being challenged 
to the grandmaster status, and people are sending like, you know letters. You've got to be challenged. Yet there's something personal going on within his life that he blocks all of that out. And there was this moment of like well restraint and and comfort where I was just like, I, I'll follow Donnie in to anywhere because of what he's doing. In this, in this scene. Right. It was that good. So we're gonna have to do pain and glory real quick, MK, because it's, okay. it's later than I thought it was. It's okay. To be. My my thoughts are pretty brief actually. All right, MK. All right, it's so your film. I watched it the other night. I was blown away by it. So this. This is a running tradition on every time I appear on a debrief or one of these, I'm going to start getting emotional about queer stuff in movies. Sure. And, uh, like, Pain and Glory is so good, not just because, like, it's a beautifully crafted film or because, like, it's a really good story, but it is it is a queer movie that is not suicide cinema like I was not depressed at the end which is a lot more rare than it should be and uh, my second point is that there is a bisexual man in this film and it's not a big deal and that in and of itself is a huge deal so I had feelings sure (laughs) I think if it weren't for Parasite this would have been all motivars year like I, I, I think Parasite took over the foreign language market, and and Almodovar wasn't. It didn't. Sony Pictures Classics is a fantastic company, but I don't think they had quite the power behind it as the it's, other ones did. And especially in the year that, uh, uh, no, it's Sony Picture Classics. Yeah, I'm gonna edit that out. I was gonna say something, and I was stupid. I'm gonna not do it. <laughs> Only you Facebook livers know about it. They're not uh, paying attention. I was gonna get confused with uh, uh, Searchlight. Searchlight. No, no, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. But but I I love that here we are in 2020 still talking about the career of Antonio Banderas. Ah, he's awesome. Love him. And I you know there was a moment where I thought we were going to lose him to straight action films forever. Like just <laughs> just be the sort of guy you know. There was that um, Eck, Eck versus Ballistic. Sever. Yeah, uh, Ballistic Eck versus Sever. Correct. Where I was just like, we've lost Antonio into the into the realm of the unknown with all of this but he and I think Penelope Cruz have come back to their home like sort of country and partnered with these amazing uh, directors and are coming out with some of the best work that they've ever done yeah and Antonio I mean if, if you take this and we give it 50 years I think more people may talk I could be wrong this is going to be a very weird statement everyone <laughs> but more people may be excited and ready to talk about Pain and Glory than they have been for eight and a half. I think what Almodovar's story did Interesting. Was, is a stronger modern discussion than eight and a half. A- Andy, I'm joining you in this conversversation. <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah. I, I like, Team Andy! I like it's eight that. and a half, but I think that this movie and Cinema Paradiso Correct. and eight and a half are all kind of talking about the same thing, and right. I think this is the best one of the three uh, by a Country mile, yeah. Uh, but Andy, it's six fifty-six. I know we want to get down to glory because it's Denzel Washington, yeah. And I certainly want to get to it. Um, but for our, our folks that have joined us for the first session of uh, the ItMod Chat Club, I want to give you an opportunity to promote anything, point to your social medias if you want to. Uh, uh, I know MK, you've got a podcast you want to talk about. 
What can our listeners do? Where can they find you? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at MK, which is spelled E-H-M-K-A-Y. And you can find my podcast, Drunk Queer Bitches Talk Books, which is exactly what it sounds like, like on Twitter and Instagram at DQB Talk Books. Mm. Sam, can we stalk you anywhere online? Yes. Ooh, Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. Uh, maybe your, some other places. What's your Twitter there? handle? If you want to share. Action Man to Go. Action Man to Go. And... Uh, where did you just get back from again? Uh, Sundance. Sundance. Sundance, yes, yes, yes. So, <laughs> so his Twitter handle is Brad Gullickson at Sundance still. No, no, it's at, <laughs> at MouthDork on all social medias. Uh, this podcast will be going up in the ItMod Chatcast channel. We all, of course, also have the regular In the Mouth of Dorkness channel. Uh, Andy, it's Denzel Washington month. Denzel Washington. We're we about so- to go see Glory. This will be our third Denzel Washington in our series. We've raised almost $500 for the NAACP with only three screenings. Uh, I cannot wait for the rest of the month. Mo Better Blues, Training Day, Fallen, uh, uh, Philadelphia, Inside Man, The Hurricane. I mean, these are just movies that send shivers up my so spine good. for how good they I'm are. I'm really excited for that um, Oh, yeah. I I will uh, you know you can hunt me down on uh, Twitter at Cinema Bandwagon or Instagram at Film Club Andy. Uh, I just want to make sure that everyone who listens in knows that we donate all of these films to the Hanley Library. So if you want to oh, continue yeah. this conversation and watch these films, go over to the Hanley Library and check them out, uh, and you can put them in your DVD player. Uh, and that the conversation, despite liking or disliking comments. The whole goal for this is to just keep this conversation going and to understand that whether you agree or disagree, you can at least bring your point to the table here with our chat club sessions, which is exciting. I was Uh, impressed. I went into Bowman Library. There was all these little green stamps on Mm -hmm. all the DVDs, and I'm like, what is this? I pull out. It's the film club. Yeah. And thank you so much. Well, thank you guys for making this happen. Brad, thanks for leading us for our first one. First one. Down Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, listeners, come to the Alma Draft House in Winchester, Virginia. It's going to be the second Monday of February for the Denzel Washington Chat Club. You're all invited. If you are listening to this, you yep. are invited to this lovely projection booth. You can put your feet we're gonna on the We're going to talk Denzel. And we're going to talk Denzel. We haven't right. decided which films yet, but check our social medias at ItModcast. Check out the Alamo Winchester Film Club page on Facebook, and we will let you know what the films will be. Let's get running. Thank you, guys. Woo! And there you have it, our first session of the ItMod Chat Club. I love MK's passion for pain and glory. I came out of that movie. We watched it at home. Not the same experience, but feeling, you know, I liked it. it. It was a good film, but... She makes me want to watch it again. Yeah, and I hated that, you know, because she was so passionate about it, I was like, MK, we're going to save that for last. And because I made that decision, we were running into the screening yeah. of Glory. So Hard we had outs. to get out. Hard and out. then MK didn't have enough time to really to talk about Pain and Glory. And, and, and the rest of us really didn't either. And uh, obviously, Parasite's my favorite film of the bunch, but Pain and Glory is probably my number two. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have More to- than Amelie? Uh, yes, Lisa, more than Amelie. Your words hurt. They hurt me. <laughs> I love Amelie. I really, really like it. But I I like Pain and Glory a little bit more, Lisa. I'm sorry. Uh, but as we do more and more sessions of the chat club, I think we will uh, do a better job 
of not getting lost in the weeds of Andy is wrong about Parasite and Brad is right. That is frustrating. Yeah, uh, and then just keep the thing moving and giving each film equal opportunity. But I also liked how we started that conversation about what kind of film fan are you? And Sam got to talk about his passion for film and where it came from. And MK did the same thing and Andy did the same thing. And, you know, what have you watched recently that you were super excited about? Gave me an opportunity to humble brag about Sundance. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun. I think and, that's a good place to start, too. Yes. And and if you are listening and you are not Sam and you're not Andy and you're not Lisa and you're not Brad and you're not MK, uh, guys, join us February 9th at the Alamo Draft House in Winchester, Virginia. We're going to talk all the films that partook in Denzel Washington month. And yeah, you're all invited. I want to hear from all of you that we have a very long Last Supper-like table. <laughs> Everybody sits on the same side. Everybody sits on the same side, and we will record it. And you, you can you can t- have an opportunity to also tell Brad that he's wrong and join Team Andy or join Team Brad. Uh, it's up to you. But yeah, we want to hear from you. We want to see you at the Alamo Draft House in Winchester, Virginia. Uh, we have been dropping a lot of episodes. This is Tuesday, and already two ItMod Chatcast channel episodes. What the heck? We talked Bong Joon-ho and the Oscars yesterday. Tomorrow, Wednesday, we're going to drop our Richard Stanley conversation. Wild. That we had at Fantastic Fest talking about Color Out of Space. And then on Friday, we're going to drop our conversation with the entire cast and director Joe Bigos of VFW. Uh, Heads up, Jeff Bigos likes to say the F word even more than me. (laughs) Yeah, that is that that, you know, we say the word surreal a lot. I use the word surreal a lot, Um, you know, running it mod. It just comes up. But that conversation staring into the blue piercing steely eyes of Stephen Lang. Whoa, that was surreal and it's like, lovely. It's like those York peppermint patty commercials. You look into his eyes and then you just breathe out yeah, vapor. Yeah. It took everything for me not to bring up the hard way with him. Uh, a <laughs> film that I just don't think it's enough love. It's Michael not J. polite Fox. to bring up the hard way in, in polite company. That's true. That's true. Uh, but that is it for us today. Lisa, where can our listeners find you online? You can always find me at Sidewalk Siren on Twitter. I said Siren funny. <laughs> at Sidewalk Siren yeah. on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Yeah. And you can follow the other dorks, Billy Das, the indie dork, at WB Das on Twitter and Instagram. Follow his podcast, Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventures. Uh, what else? Oh, Darren Smith. He's at the Disco Dork. You can find him on Instagram. He doesn't do much on Twitter these days. Uh, you should pester him on Instagram about getting back on a Twitter because I miss his Twitter presence. Of course, he's on Facebook, uh, but will he accept your friend request? I can't tell you. I can't make any promises. Brian Young, though, much bitter, much bitter. See, we're both screwing up on our language, Lisa. Don't get, don't get paranoid. Brian Young, the turtle dork, he can be found found oh my god <laughs> i should edit all this out but i won't because we got so much to do brian young he's the turtle dork he can be found at turtle dork on twitter and at the turtle dork one on instagram be young video on facebook i am brad gullickson at mouth dork on all social medias and until next time guys take care and next time is tomorrow oh yeah visions are worth fighting for why spend your life making someone else's dreams you got to run down.
right. I'll meet you guys down there. Yeah, yeah. I still gotta go buy a ticket. Seven o'clock! <laughs> we almost kept it. I'm gonna say a few words.